Hi, I'm Sam, and I'd like to welcome Joe Bouchard, founding bassist of Blue Oyster Cult, known for their songs Don't Fear the Reaper, Burning for You, Godzilla, and more. Welcome, Joe. How are you today? I'm fine today. Doing fine. Well, that's pr- <laughs> that's good, isn't it? <laughs> all my all my electronics is working great, so that's a good sign. That is a good sign. Well, uh, yeah. how'd you join Blue Oyster Cult? Well, um, it, it goes back to 1967, and I just went off to college, and my brother, who was the drummer in Blue Oyster Cult, he went to New York and started this band. So for the four years I was in college, I followed them you know, as what they were doing. I, I really liked their music. Uh, they had a deal with Electra Records. Uh, for about three years, and uh, I thought they were going to be rock stars. You know, they're they were friends of mine. I would go my 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 college uh, vacations. I would go and stay at the band house. They all lived in one house. It was a different era back then, but um, so they knew me. And then in the summer of 1970, I get a call in the middle of the night from my brother and says, it's not working out with our bass player. So can you come to New York and um, uh, play bass in the band? And I said, sure. You know, I was, it was kind of my dream. I was, I was planning on becoming a professional musician. I studied music in college. I uh, got my degree from Ithaca College in music education. It was, you know, I had planned to do some kind of music, but I never thought that I'd get in a band and we'd take off like that. So I get to the band house and, and he had told me that we were supposed to do a tour with Led Zeppelin. So I said, hey, that would be cool. We could be the opening act for Led Zeppelin, you know. So I get to the band house and he says, uh, the tour's not happening. You know, they decided uh, that they didn't want an opening act. And that was that. And then, I, and then a couple of days later, we get a telegram. We were thrown off the label. We got a telegram at our house. And uh, oh, I said, oh, my God. You know, I was really mad because I was the new guy in the band and they weren't really giving me a chance. And so I said, well, we're just going to plow on and we're going to make some money and you know, uh, do a lot of gigs and, you know, sharpen up our act. And um, so that's what we did for a year. And then we auditioned for Columbia Records. And uh, Clive Davis was the head of Columbia at that time. And, and it was a kind of a crazy audition. We, we, we played in the conference room at, CB, at the CBS building. Is this like really, it wasn't very, uh, it wasn't a, a very... Um, a exciting uh, venue <laughs> it was just they took they took the conference room table and we set up all our equipment at one end of the room and then there was about seven chairs on the other end and there were some people there that heard us and uh, uh next thing you know clive uh, clive davis says well we're gonna sign you so that was the start of the band that became blue oyster cult wow well you really yeah. I mean, I guess you you got roped into it like uh, touring for Led Zeppelin, right? I mean, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was ready. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I did see I did see Led Zeppelin once. You the did original band, and it was at the Seattle Coliseum. Really? Well, yes. 
Yeah, I, it was the loudest thing I have ever heard in my life. To this day, huh. it's still the loudest concert I've ever heard. <laughs> um, it was deafening loud. Yeah. Um, yeah, well. That was, yeah, it was fun, you know, and then uh, it was just a matter of, uh, you know, sticking together and going out. And we did a ton of tours. We opened for everybody and everybody opened for us. You know, we were constantly on the road for four or five years. Yeah, that sounds, um, that sounds so fun. <laughs> yeah, 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 it was. It was a blast, you know. And, uh, you know, in 1976, Six years after I joined the band, we had a, uh, our first uh, hit. It wasn't our first single. We had um, a song called Cities on Flame. And then my song, Hot Rails to Hell, uh, was, was a single. And then there was another single uh, written by Patti Smith. The lyrics are written by Patti Smith. The music was written by my brother called Career of Evil. And uh, none of those were hits. And, uh, but uh, Donald, Donald Roser also known as Buck Dharma, you may have heard that name. Uh, he wrote a song called Don't Fear the Reaper. And uh, that went into the top 20. Whoa. So we actually had a hit. And um, I think it started in Idaho. It started in Idaho uh, being played on the radio, some little radio station, you know. And then it went to um, Chicago. And I think Seattle was maybe next. You know, it was like picked up on that song. And, uh, you know, everything changed overnight. We had been playing towards like half house, you know. We had some nice, you know, arena type of shows that we played. <clears throat> but uh, everything changed when we had a hit record. I mean, we the, it, all of a sudden, the halls were full. Girls would come to see us. <laughs> Before that, it was just guys. It was just guys in leather jackets and, you know, blue jeans. Then, uh, you know. So, um, yeah, we just uh, managed to figure out how, how to get a hit for a weird band like Blue Oyster Cult. It's not easy. Yeah, well, I mean, Don't Fear the Reaper, it's just an incredible song, right? Like, I, I don't blame it for, for doing well. And it's still, it's honestly, like, really relevant today. Like, I, I hear oh, yeah. it all the time. It's, it's amazing. Oh, yeah. uh, far beyond our wildest dreams, uh, the, the uh, longevity is unbelievable for that song. Um, you know, it's in movies all the time, you know, and uh, people call, you know, send me emails. Hey, I just just heard Don't Fear the Reaper and some new uh, sitcom, you know, and the credits for some movie. I don't know. And uh, but also not to be outdone. We did we did have another hit with uh, Don't uh, Burning for You, which is very big on the radio and still and. And, uh, and then uh, the third most popular song is probably Godzilla. Godzilla is a, a big song for us. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it, was, it, was a, it was a great run, you know. And, you know, to have a, more than one hit, uh, you know, gets you out of the, uh, the category of one hit wonder. <laughs> You'll wonder what happened to them. They had this one hit, was so great, and then they disappeared. But we kept at it, you know. Um, I was, yeah, yeah. I was in the band for about five years after uh, Burning For You became a hit. Um, and then I just decided after 16 years in the band, I would uh, 
uh, you know, go on and try some different things. You know, it was a good run, but I figured, you know, I, should, I don't really know anything. I really should maybe think about what, what I want to do. So I wasn't sure what I was going to do, but I left the band on my own. Pretty good terms, you know. They've had about six, seven, eight bass players since I left. <laughs> And uh, uh, they keep chugging along. You know, the, uh, the, the band just celebrated their 50th anniversary and uh, they're still playing. They, they're starting to book shows in their 51st anniversary a year. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, they're, they've definitely slowed down. They were doing about 75 or 100 shows a year. Wow. That, that's yeah. a lot of shows. Yeah. That's a lot of shows. It, the, 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 somebody added it all up, and it's like one of the most uh, bands that has had the most shows. I did about where was I? Where where am I in the in that thing? I'm just trying to think. Maybe about uh, two thousand shows. Wow! I did about two thousand shows in sixteen years. Wow. Uh, <clears throat> uh, so I've been the longest running bass player with the band. Yeah, but, uh, you know they they just booked some festivals. They're they're playing in Slovenia. Ooh, Slo- uh, in uh, August. All right, of twenty three. Uh, Whoa. Oh so, yeah, and and so I uh, I decided to try some different things. I I was a teacher in a private school. It was a interesting run for about uh, uh, well eight years full time, and then I. I joined a publishing company and I learned, I, I wrote some books for the publishing company, uh, educational books, how to play the bass guitar, no reading necessary, um, guitar for beginners. Uh, I did a piano book. My ma- major in college was piano. So I still do a lot of piano. And then I started doing solo albums. I've got uh, seven solo albums working on my eighth solo album. Oh boy. Now. And, uh, uh, not touring as much as we used to. I did a tour of uh, England, Scotland, and France in August. We did 10 shows, which was a lot of fun, you know. And this was a, a group called the Bouchard Brothers. So it was myself, my partner Joan on guitar, and my brother Albert, who was the drummer, but now he's playing uh, bass and guitar. Really? Huh. So, so we do a, a kind of a, like an acoustic show, uh, uh, a lot of, you know, fun stuff, you know, some, some hits from Blue Oyster Cult. We, uh, some of the songs that we wrote, we tell the stories, how, that, how the songs were written. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's all good. Yeah. Well, what's it like playing music with your brother? Like, is it different than playing with your friends and colleagues? <laughs> Well, we go back. I started with my brother when I was 10, 10 years old. And uh, we had a little band in junior high school, I guess. And um, it was like two trumpets and a, and a snare drum. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> and then we, you know, eventually we got guitars and my brother got a whole drum set. And, uh, and we were together for about six years, in junior high school and high school. And uh, so we played a lot. I knew you know, how he plays and, uh, I, you know, I, but I never thought we'd be going this, this long, you know? Um, and then in the middle of the pandemic, um, a guy said, I want to manage you. So that was good. We didn't have a manager for decades. You know, we just, you know, uh, managed ourselves 
or mismanaged ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, no, but he wanted to manage us. And uh, then he said, I think what you guys need to do is start your own record label. And wait a minute, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Everybody's going out of business and you want to start a new business. So we started uh, Rock Heart Records, which is owned by the Bouchard brothers. And uh, Albert's put out um, three albums there and I put out two albums or he's put out, he's working on his third album for our own record label. We have our own distribution through Warner Brothers, and uh, it's it's working out pretty good. I'm 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 enjoying it. You know, I retired from teaching and uh, decided to uh, you know do music all the time. It's 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 it, I, I I really love it. You know, I don't know what I would do without it. You know, and it's. Uh, yeah, adapting to the new uh, new technology. You know, I produce myself. You know, when I do my solo albums, and I think everyone's gets gets better all the time. You know, uh, I I did have the advantage of that when we were in Little Oyster Cult, we had uh, some very fine producers that we worked with. Uh, it started with our manager and uh, his partner and a guy named David Lucas. And then eventually we got uh, uh, Tom Worman, who produced Cheap Trick. We liked the Cheap Trick records, and and uh, he produ- also produced uh, Motley Crue. Sold a ton of Motley Crue records as, as the producer of Motley Crue. And then uh, we had a guy, uh, Martin Birch, who came from England, and he produced uh, Deep Purple records. You know, the Deep Purple records we yeah. love those deep purple records and so we we he's the guy that produced uh burning for you mm. that if you hear the sound of burning for you that's that's martin birch's work um recorded recorded and produced it so he was the engineer brilliant engineer tremendous and then i worked with uh, uh bruce fairburn who did uh, a lot of great records did the aerosmith uh, comeback records bon jovi record i he was he wasn't very successful producing you never know what's going to happen in these artistic situations and he wasn't very successful with uh blue oyster cult we were going through transitions my brother had left the band we had another drummer uh this sort of the whole balance of the personalities changed is is what will happen when you when you when you miss somebody one of the key members of the group mm-hmm. and um so i said oh this guy can't produce it you know he's just he's a nice guy and everything but you know then then the next thing he he produced was you know living on a prayer for with bon jovi and like it's huge <laughs> you know and then the aerosmith was even bigger than that you know yeah yeah you know loving an elevator and permanent vacation and all of those records and so it was just it wasn't him. It was us. <laughs> if there was no success, that's that's what happened. There. Yeah, I mean, but, well, uh, yeah, yeah. It sounds like you worked with so many great people. Then, yeah, that that must yeah. have been great. Yeah, and when I'm producing myself, I'm thinking, what would Martin do, or what mm. would Bruce Fairburn say? You know? Yeah, would yeah. You want me to? Would we? Is this singing good enough? You know? You know? Is the track? Does it have the right feel? You're always searching for. Um, um a real performance not not you can just get the notes right that's one thing it's pretty easy to get the notes right you got all these tools all these great new uh recording devices 
So you get all, you can get all the notes right, but does it have the feeling in the, in the, that it needs, you know? Yeah. 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 Huh. Well, you know, that, 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 that little, that extra push over the cliff, as they say, you know, that one, that one thing that just ah, gets it there and, and gets people to come back. Yeah, we for found, sure. We found that, uh, with streaming, do you stream music? I do. I do. Yes. Um, if you have a hit, it's very good <laughs> because you're, you're renting, you're basically renting the music to pe to the, uh, instead of selling a piece of plastic to the, the audience, you're, you're renting it to them. And if they want to hear it again, they got to pay again, even though it's a little tiny, tiny penny, mm -hmm. you know, that can add up, you know, yeah. Blue Oyster Cult still gets like 4 million, uh, listens a week. A week. Wow. 4 million listens a week. That's pretty great. Yeah. Uh, see all those guitars back there? I do. I do. <laughs> <how> I got them. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, could I ask you, how did you sure. name? I'm doing all the talking to you. Yeah. <laughs> what's how'd you name Blue Oyster Cult? Like, and what's with the cool <clears throat> O thing? Umlaut. Yeah, yeah. That, that, I, I yeah, I forgot what it was called. Yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's called a Umlaut. The umlaut. It's a very Germanic thing. I don't know. Uh, we were trying to be a little different. I think band, we, we, we just definitely wanted to have a logo, you know, and uh, something would stick out. Um, the name Blue Oyster Cult came from a poem that our manager, who also wrote uh, a lot of our lyrics, wrote called Blue Oyster Cult. And I had seen it. And we had done our audition for Columbia, but we had to have a name to go on the contract. And we started arguing about names and the terrible names. I can't even remember, but <clears throat> we decided, well, we got to practice. We got to really, we got to really hone this music. And uh, so we, we had our manager and his partner, we locked them in a room. So don't come out until you, you just tell us what it is, whatever it is, whatever you come up with we'll go with it we'll go with it we all agree now everybody agreed okay all right lock them in the room they came out like two minutes later i thought they'd be in there for an hour or so no they came out too much later and said we got it gonna be blue oyster cult we go what <laughs> so sandy our manager took it to uh, the the people at columbia and they said this is great we can do something with this you know it's kind of odd you know but you know it was also the time where uh, odd names were definitely in fashion then, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, we, we, we had sort of a, I think our, our sort of combined aesthetic was, uh, you know, to do stuff that wasn't commercial and just, you know, what, what, what we thought was cool for us, but we didn't really care about, you know, hit singles or, you know, what get played on the radio or, and uh so we put out a lot of odd <laughs> odd records <laughs> and it seemed to fit with the with the the title blue oyster cult you know yeah that's so a lot of people thought we were either from england or, or or from europe because of the umlaut and then then after us well other bands picked up on that motley crew had umlauts and and motorhead had umlauts that's right yeah and motorhead so, but we were the first. At least that's one thing we were the first about. Oh, that's really funny. Yeah. Pretty cool. No, yeah. I, I've always been confused by that. Like, b before I started yeah. doing the radio thing, I remember like three years ago in the depths of COVID, 
sitting on my computer in Zoom class listening to Burnin' for you. And I was like, why, what's with the, the umlaut? What, what, what is that? And well, he, here we are. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, that's, that's know. great. That's really funny. Oh man. Well, yeah. you, you recently played on Animals Reimagined, a, a Pink Floyd Ooh. like tribute album. Are you really into Pink Floyd? Oh yeah. Yeah. We, we used to have this sort of a thing we do in rehearsal where we were working on a song and it would be like, oh, this is the same old, same old. Uh, how can we do this? Let's do it. Pretend we're Pink Floyd. We'll play this, this song in a Pink Floyd style. We did that. We, we did that occasionally. Or like, well, we should play this song like Black Sabbath, you know. And, we, you know. and of course, we'd come back and throw all of that out and play it like the, the way we intended to in the first place. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a big Pink Floyd fan, you know. I uh, I was I met Roger Waters. Did you? Can tell me, you know. I've been I've been lucky to meet a few famous people, and definitely Roger Waters is one of those really famous people. Mm-hmm. So I he was I was down in the Caribbean at this private island, and I met Roger Waters, and I'm saying, man, I I love your bass playing. I used to steal your bass lines all the time he says yeah (laughs) but then then i was playing a party on the beach with some of my friends it was a it was new year's eve 2008 and uh you know i see oh there's roger water so we're playing and you know it's really loud and i'm playing we're playing don't fear the reaper on the beach you know on this island and i hear oh that's a good song it was roger waters no way oh man in the middle of Reaper. And you know how loud the band is. Yeah. But I could hear him really. He says, now that's a good song. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. My Roger Waters story. Yeah. I'm, I mean, it, yeah. it must be great to get like like that for someone, especially like as great as Roger Waters, but just in general, someone yeah. tell you like, wow, that, you know, that's a great song, right? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So uh, in the middle of the pandemic, I get an email from uh, uh, this company, Cleopatra Records, and it said, would you like to play bass on a Pink Floyd tribute? Sure. You know, and then I found out some of the other people that were playing on it. We all did this remotely. Mm -hmm. So it would have been much more fun if we were all in the same room. But, you know, you you make do with what you have to do. And uh, then I found out that Al Miola, who's a tremendous jazz guitar player, Mm -hmm mind-bogglingly amazing guitar player was going to be the guitar player on it so he plays the guitar and i loved it because that that recording has gotten great great uh response you know it i thought it would take me maybe a couple hours to play the bass it actually took me about four days to get it all right wow there's actually two there's two bass parts so you have a melody line you have a low part and a high part so it took me about four days to get the whole thing done. But I sent it off, and uh, uh, they uh, mixed it, and it sounds amazing, you know. And I just, uh, three days ago, I got asked to do another one. Oh, boy. So so, so we're doing metal, uh, metal, the, the Pink yeah, Floyd yeah. metal album. Well, I look and, forward uh, to that. I was I was asked to uh, play bass again, so thank you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for remembering me. Well, are, uh, you know, are you yeah. are you playing on Echoes or a different song or no, what? No, I wish I was on mm. one of these days. I love that song. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh uh, yeah, but uh, no, I'm playing on San Tropez, which is mm. 
uh, just a sort of walking, kind of jazzy walking bass line. Yeah, yeah. And that is definitely Roger Waters. So I'll be Roger Waters for, you know, however long it takes me to to record that thing. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because, uh, and I did another one with uh, one of the guys from, uh, yes. So it's oh. a, a progressive, a progressive rock thing that's that'll oh be boy that'll probably be out before the pink floyd thing is. well are you allowed to tell me what that is or is it top I don't secret know what it is. you don't know it's what it a, is all right I all right no it's a progressive Ooh. it's called prog six all right well it's, i look oh that was the original song so oh that i'm excited yes. for that yeah that yes. sounds fun oh yeah. boy and then the pink floyd thing happened again which <laughs> is, uh, you know i'm yeah i'm within a couple of days i said i'd get it to him before the the end of this month it's all not right until march probably mm-hmm. won't come out until a year after that but there's a lot of of guests um i, I probably shouldn't mention any of the guests but there's some really mm-hmm. really famous guitar players and Ooh. great players and well, singers that will be on it and i'll be a part of the mix all right yeah i'll, I'll yeah. watch out for that that's that's for mm-hmm. certain i'm very excited for that yeah that wow yeah and uh besides roger waters who are some uh some artists that influence your playing i think uh playing wise uh uh my particular style is a lot like um roger glover who plays bass with deep purple great great guy great he's i've met him a few times he's a really nice guy but his sort of style he plays with a pick and he and he he knows that uh his job is to make the guitar player so he has to leave he has to make a solid foundation for the guitar to shine you know so i I thought that that was kind of my my job in blue oyster cult just to have a solid foundation for donald also known as buck dharma to you know do his magic on the guitar and um yeah 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 um actually i'm working on i just i've been working on a song that we recorded back in the 70s oh it's gonna be gonna be out i can't really tell you what it is okay much more about it but it was like one of those things that we did in rehearsal but the the lyrics were never finished so I'm working on lyrics for a new Blue Oyster Cult song that may be out, maybe not out, but I don't, you know. All um, right. I, I've been I've been listening to one of the great things about it is that um, it's got a great piano part that our uh, our pianist who passed away unfortunately mm. about four years ago uh, played, and then there's a great guitar part. There's a great guitar part, but it hadn't been the lyric. The lyric hadn't been finished, but it's a fun fun song and uh they're thinking about you know doing something but i can't don't don't hold me to it okay okay yeah (laughs) doesn't happen (laughs) (laughs) well it certainly sounds like you've got your hands full with a bunch of a bunch of new projects and releases that's great i'm i'm having a lot of fun you know a lot of fun that's well that's that's all you can ask for yeah yeah do you do a lot of these interviews i yeah i do two three a week something like that wow yeah, it's a lot of fun. Oh my gosh, I I love it so much. Yeah, uh, th- this this is this is tremendous technology. You know? It really is. I did a hundred a hundred interviews for my my last uh, uh, album that I mm. just put out, and uh, a lot of them are really you know were really great and very very all you know covering all aspects of you know things that I've done. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, the notoriety. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you're you're doing this because um, you know uh, you know keeping the keeping the classic rock alive 
Do you play songs on your radio station too? Yes, we do. I you play songs. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, we do. Um, you know, to to my disapproval, I guess, or disappointment, uh, less and less classic rock. But there is there is some. There's there's. Oh, okay. I think like half. So it, it's. Do you do the hits of the day, like you know the pop? Uh, yeah, hip yeah. Hip hop and. For the most part. All right. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of like to know what's going on. I'm. I'm just, I'm the grandpa here. <laughs> yeah. I, my, I asked my my grandson, what's going on? Oh, I got this new game. <laughs> I got this new gaming platform. I'm really excited about it, you know. <laughs> oh, for yeah. sure, what yeah. What about playing some bass and guitar? Yeah. I know, I, I, you know, well, it, but, it, you know, it's just a different era now, you know. It, it really but is. I, I try to keep up. Yes, yes. It's, well, music is a great thing, you know, yeah. and it there's, definitely. There's, there's too much available these days. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And when I put out an album, I'm competing against the whole history of music. <laughs> it's not easy. <laughs> that, that, it does really sound tough. Yeah. Well, yeah. And uh, I mean, back in the day, you there was just what was played on the radio and everybody's little record collection, you know. Mm -hmm. But uh, but it, now it's it's the whole the whole ball of wax. So you got to really, you know, do the best you can, you know. I, I'm having a good time either way. You know, well, that's whether, great. That's whether, great. Whether I have a, a platinum, another platinum album, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just thankful that I have, what, 11 uh, gold and platinum albums, you know, from the heyday of plastic discs. Yes. To sell. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Anyway, all right. That's, it was great talking to you. Thank you so much. What, uh, nice talking to you, too. Yes, yes. Thank you. Be well. Bye. Bye-bye. I'm Sam, and if you enjoyed that interview with Joe Bouchard, the bassist for Blue Oyster Cult, make sure to check out my back pages on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts to listen to other great interviews just like this one.